Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Nathan Payne and Corey Royson with Investor Thrive and Offer on Homes. And they flew in from Salt Lake, Utah to talk about how they went from door knocking to six figures in profits. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer. Every month we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more info on that, DM me the word sales on Instagram. Also, we're sporting new gear. If you guys are interested in that, check that out. I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires, and the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, I assure you, you will become one. And this show is brought to you by our company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors, and you'll get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And I got to announce we got Closers Lab coming tomorrow, 10 a.m. in this office. So it's 10 o'clock uh, Pacific. My partner, Max Amenez, is going to be doing live calls. He'll close your deals. He's got to submit them at deals at maxcashoffers.com. And it's a live show, so please ask your questions for Nathan and Corey to answer. All right. So, first question is, what got you guys into real estate? Very quick. You want to start with that, Corey? So, what got us into real estate, I, my dad did it for a little bit. He started wholesaling when I was in college, like seven, eight years ago. So, he did some wholesaling. I wanted to learn how to do it. Um, I did it in college a little bit. I did some lease options while I was still in school. <clears throat> like my last year of school, I did five lease options. Um, and then I, I, I stopped, went and got a sales job, moved to Salt Lake. Um, we met in college. That's where we met. Um, I was doing it. He thought it was lame while I was doing it. <laughs> I always knew real estate was good, but and then he was doing it as like a side thing in yeah. college. And I was like, man, come on, you ain't doing it. You ain't doing what it takes. Because I did door-to-door -door sales in, in college. I, I, mm -hmm. been, like, I started off as like a lowly you know, door knocker right after, we started both served missions for our churches. So right after missions, we were already ingrained like the knocking, right? Like we right. knocked a lot of doors for when we were on our missions for our church. So after that, got into door-to-door, -door, was selling Dish Network. I did that for um, like four or five years and grew like a sales team. We would sell Dish Network door-to-door, -door, satellite TV. That's a lucrative business. It, it is. I've heard know. there's really good money in that business. It is, you build teams, you get overrides. So I was doing that and as I was doing that, I was trying to convince him, I was like, why what you doing over here trying to lease option properties and come come with me, let's sell some sell some uh, some Dish Network door-to-door. Mm -hmm. um, -door. And he was looking at me like, Come on, you don't know, you know. So after I graduated, I was doing door to door, but I, I didn't want to move around because it's like you—it's very seasonal. You got to go to somewhere in the summer and sell uh, with the team. So I reached out to him. I said, "Hey, what, are you still doing that real estate thing? What, let's try that." So he got me interested in real estate because his dad did, and he was doing college. But now I, I was kind of done with the door art. I was like, "Let's let's do it. Let's start that business." So your dad was doing this. Yeah. Where was he? Where was he doing that at? So I'm a. I grew up in Missouri. I'm originally from there. What and part so, of Missouri? Uh, just outside of St. Louis. Just outside of St. Louis. So. And so he was already doing it, and he was doing it successfully. Ish. Ish. It was working. He was. Yeah. He was doing deals. He. Yeah. So he started out doing flips. Okay. And so he was doing flips. Um, he's a doctor, and he, so he did flips on the side, and I would help him with flips, and then he was really interested in wholesaling because. You know, it's really appealing, especially if you, you know, are just hearing about it. So he got into wholesaling um, and he was, yeah, he did some houses in St. Louis, not a ton. Yeah. Um, but eventually when we started doing it, we would ask him questions. Like we found out he was, didn't know like his 
much as well, I knew he didn't know a ton because he had he didn't do like he didn't do a ton of deals, but yeah. he he'd done like I mean they did like a handful a month. Yeah, but and su- made supplement his income. He was a doctor, so he was yeah. doing all right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. fine. And I think um, he, he had it run with like I think St. Louis that market was a lot easier to find properties, but yeah. buyers for them was uh, difficult. And yeah, the wholesaling in Utah when I first started finding properties for us was a little bit more difficult, but really hard. Not a problem. Where so BYU. BYU-Idaho. BYU-Idaho. It's like the sister school. We, we we didn't actually get into BYU. That one was a little bit more prestigious, <laughs> so we went to BYU-Idaho. Okay. So, but you were still wholesaling at this, or you were wholesaling on so, the side in school. In my last, so my dad started getting into it like a year and a half before I was done. Mm-hmm. And so I started learning it. And then he, um, I moved back out to school after, like in between semesters, moved back out. And I started doing it with one of my other friends, one of our other friends. And, uh, yeah, the last year or so of college. So this is like 2015, 2016. Did you graduate college? Yeah. What the degree in what? Business marketing. Okay. Did you find that? It hasn't helpful? helped me with wholesaling marketing, but. No? Not at all? <laughs> not much, uh, So to be uh, honest. So you're, in, you're doing real estate in college. How is that? Did you have any plans to finish? Uh, like no. your degree and then uh, like go apply that or like you were just like kind of going through the motions to finish your degree so I guess like my thought process then was like this seems like it's going to be a good career path right and that's why I didn't ever go out and knock doors is like I know I'm not going to do that forever but this real estate thing seems like something I could do for you know for a long time Yeah. so I I started doing that I planned to finish college like you know, my dad put a bunch of money into it. I put some of my own money after he stopped paying for it. So I put money into it and I was like, I might as well finish. There's a year left. Um, so we would spend probably like 10 to 20 hours a week yeah. calling for sale by owners, pitching them on lease options, trying to lock up deals. Um, and yeah, we did five deals and well, the, the reason why I'm, I'm hitting on this point, because I think there are people that, you know, people that listen to our show, right, they're in different, uh, different points stages of, journey, of life, right? yeah. And the ones I'm, I'm thinking about right now are the ones that are either, uh, they, they graduated college or they're in the middle of college and they're, they're, they're thinking like, should I should finish I quit college, yeah. right? Should I finish my degree or should I just go on to college? Or after they finish college, I got this degree in business marketing, right? I got this degree in business marketing. Should I do this for a while? For real estate, they kind of have this dance, right? So yeah. it seems like your calculation was simple. Yeah. So I actually left college and I went and got a sales job outside of real estate, just at like a tech company there, yeah. um, doing sales. And so, but you had to like get yeah, like I felt like I, I felt like I needed more. Yeah, I had just gotten married at the time, so I wanted some stable income. Um, but after like nine months of that, I was like. I can't. It was just, uh, <laughs> it sucked working for other people. It sucked. Um, I reached out to him. Yeah. He almost had enough. I always knew I wanted to do my own thing, right? Yeah. Like, be my own business, like, be a business owner, be my own boss type thing, so. And then yourself. So, you're already hustling in college, right. selling I Dish. Yeah. Was it Dish Direct? First was Dish and Direct. I worked for a company that did both. Yeah. And then we just went straight to Dish Network. Got it. So I did that, yeah. And then, when do you finish your degree? Yeah, I finished my degree and kind of had that hustler's mentality in college. Like I started up, I love, have you ever had a lote? Like Mexican corn in a cup? 
You ever had that? Probably. So I started. It's <laughs> like, delicious. I started a corn stand, like they would sell Mexican corn in a cup in, in, in Rexburg, Idaho, where we went to school. So huh. for a summer, sold corn out of a shack. Mm -hmm. And then I, I started, at the last year of college, I did, um, I always wanted to own a, like a, a chill zone, a place where people could go hang out. So I started, I, I leased a place in down, downtown of our, where we went to school. And I opened up, it's, it was called Skizzy's. And it was a music venue where people could come in and listen to local bands playing the weekend. Mm -hmm. I always I love cereal, so I, I I started a cereal cereal bar in the music venue where people could buy bowls of cereal. So anyway, I was always trying stuff. Did it make money? No. I mean, yeah, it, was, like it was shiny object syndrome. It was yeah. great though. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a bad bar. thing, right? I mean, it's, it's just it's just the reality of who we are. It was fun. Um, and like I didn't even know like cereal bars existed. I was in Vegas yeah. in October, and we we're just walking around. I was like, they just sell. Cereal. Yeah. Honestly, though, Nate, Nate's was the first one I'd ever seen. And, yeah. and it was pretty good because, like, the favorite thing I did, we did there was uh, we had, like, uh, ice cream from, like, the local dairy, and we would make ice cream milkshakes where we would, like, cereal milkshakes. Cereal, yeah, sorry. Cereal milkshakes where we would, like, put, take Reese's Puffs, you know, blend it up in the, the vanilla ice cream. It was good. Yeah, that's what they did over here. It's like, yeah. I wanted to try it, but I was like, this was really Maybe they copied Skizzy's. Like, sugar and sugar and sugar. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was good, but the, I was always trying some. And probably, so, not, probably not the best out of it. So you didn't go get a job with your degree. You just went and hustled for yourself. Yeah, my degree was in business management and entrepreneurship as the that emphasis. That was still while he was in school, though, too. Yeah, that was yeah. last year of college. So then you graduate college. What do you do next? So graduate from college, still doing door-to-door. -door, sold sold skizzies, right? Like, sold the stuff in there. Um, and then met my wife. And then we're like, well, what are we going to do for work? I had saved up some money from door-to-door. -door, still doing it. And then trans transitioned to Sprint because Sprint cell phones, like, you, that also sold that in our company. So I was mm -hmm. selling Sprint. And, um, you door know, I was door. just door to door. Yeah. I didn't know anyone sold sprint door to door. Yeah. It was, it's pretty lucrative. I mean, you sell five lines, uh, like 150 bucks a line, you know, you'd be making some good money and I would sell like maybe 15, 10, 15 lines sometimes a day. Yeah. So that was nice. But you know, we were, um, Working at home and doing door to door is kind of difficult because you got to like motivate yourself. Okay, I got to go knock on my neighbor's door. So usually you have to go to like a different market. So you just go there, you grind for three months, and you're good for the year. But I was kind of tired of doing that and I wanted to stay in a local place. So I reached out to Corey. I said, Corey, um, your dad does wholesaling. Let's, or real estate, let's do that. And we, I kind of pitched him on it because I was like, hey, we're ma I'm making good money on Sprint. Let's do that. Let's start a, a door knocking team here and do the the real estate side to, like on the side and then eventually like our heart wasn't in the door to door so we would set we we had three recruits that would go sell door to door for us yeah. and they'd be like why aren't you guys going to knock and we'd be like uh because we're going to do some real estate you guys go do it we're your managers <laughs> and then eventually they caught wind of that and they're like we don't want to go knock if you guys aren't knocking so we just shut that thing down and went all in on so real I estate. think there's an interesting lesson there right like because you think that if I pay you to go door knock, you will go door knock. That's not how it works. That's not no, how it works. That's so, <laughs> I think the, the thing with them, too, is they weren't having much success at it. Yeah. And because they weren't seeing that, then they were like started blaming blaming us. Door, door to door uh, can be a, a big learning curve. I mean, you got to meet the person, break down barriers, you know, like overcome objections just right, right at the start. And, uh, you know, if you don't have that thick skin, then sometimes people don't want to go. Th so um, I'm going to take a wild leap of faith here and guess you guys are Mormons. You nailed it. All right. So <laughs> what we've noticed is that, you know, 
selling religion door to door for two years. You can sell anything door to door. Bro, that's the that's hardest sale out there. Say, yeah. If you yeah. can talk to someone about Jesus, like we, we love Jesus, but you know, pe- people just don't want to really talk about it. Even if they believe in it, they're like, hey, I don't know what you believe. Like, yeah. it's not. So we, we did that for two years. And he, he was in Uruguay. He sold, he did it in Uruguay. Yeah. I did it in Portland, Oregon. So, so um, how much did that translate into wholesale? Uh, for me, it's work ethic. Like, yeah. I mean, for two years, we had a strict schedule where we'd wake up at 6.30 every day, <clears throat> go out, proselyte, or prospect, right? And uh, that's just kind of taught you after, like, the two years that you can do anything because mm-hmm. you you're, you did it for two years. Right. And you're kind of you're out there on your own, so you got to... Like you got to take all the initiative to do stuff. So you got to figure out like you plan your days, you plan out what you're gonna do with your time. KPIs. Like they give you a schedule. Yeah. But you really like it's up to you to like plan what you're gonna do with your time. And so, learning how to like take initiative and like take action, figure out what you're gonna do to accomplish your goals. You know, those were big things that I took away at least. Uh, Anything as far as sales that translated well. Uh, well, talking to people. T- talking to people. Like, after my mission, a no did not, like, shake me, right? It, it, it doesn't bother you because you hear no thousand times a day. So that's what translated. I always like talking to people, right? I always I felt like I was decent in communication. But, um, yeah, the mission, like, taught us, you know. Yeah, like, learning how to connect with people. Um, like, seeing people from their points of to, view. To listen. Because they're yeah. really big like on, empathy. like, listen, empathy, yeah. listening. And that's, that's something huge because, you know, at most sales training they teach you like you kind of want to convince people like mm-hmm. it, you you ha- on the mission and even further sales training like you teach is it's all about you know listening and he- looking how you can help people you know win-win situation and stuff right. like that um okay so let's talk about how you guys found your very first deal oh man cold calling that donald was our first yeah. deal right cold calling on a expired listings list just hammering that thing and with mojo what year was this 2018. 2018. 2018. Okay, yeah. so you're going on Mojo. Yep. And you're calling expired listings. How are those conversations going? Not well. Honestly, I don't even remember <laughs> anyone besides that. I remember besides Donald. I remember, you know, I would never cold call at this point. It would always be face to face. So I remember getting a little flustered sometimes when people would get upset with you. I would, I would get a little, little yeah. heated, and everyone in the. So what what had happened is, me and Corey were, we had the the single cell phone our first like two months, and we were just calling. Maybe ten people a day, thinking we Honestly, were. Honestly, do- that wasn't even two months. It was like a couple weeks. A couple and we were weeks like, this isn't it. gonna work. Yeah, and we thought, you know, okay, let me call some for sub owners, and that was enough action. Mm-hmm. But obviously, as we go further, like dude, we weren't doing anything. Yeah. And then we we networked with a broker in our in Salt Lake City that uh, you know we we're just trying to find someone that we could team up with or use their workspace. So we networked with the broker. And he said, hey, come use my office. Any deals that you get from cold calling on my dialer, if they don't want to sell for cash, let me list them. So that was kind of how he was going to help us. So at that point, we didn't even know what Mojo was. We didn't know anything about dialers or lists. But he's just said, he put us in there. He just sat us down, and we, we would call all day. And that's that's how essentially we got the our first all right, deal. So first guy, expired listing. Mm-hmm. Why did he agree to sell to you guys? That's a good story, I meant, but... I think because we were know. persistent. Yeah, we were. <laughs> so the re- only reason I'm asking we is, right, and this could be a limiting belief, because, you know, I got the realtor background, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, had, I had my VAs that cold call expires and FISBOs and mm-hmm. cancel listings, right? Yeah. And in my experience on the realtor side is that if you couldn't sell your house, usually it's one of two things. Either you're an incredibly difficult person 
right. your realtor was just absolutely awful. One of those two things. I think it's a difficult person thing. So we were very ambitious and we went over to this guy's house maybe five, ten times before he signed. Okay. Like so what had happened is he listed his house with an agent. The agent didn't take good pictures and uh, the house didn't sell for what he wanted. Ended up Corey called him. He was actually in pre foreclosure, but he was from where was he from? Croatia. Croatia. And he was he was like just biding his time till he lost the house. Yeah, he hadn't made payments for like ten months. Yeah. So he's just buying his time until he lost the house and was going to move back to Croatia. So we knock on the door after the initial conversation where he said he was interested. We would go there, knock on the door, and he'd be sleeping like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He'd be like, Donald, wake up, man. We're here to talk to you about the house. This happened about five or ten times where he'd wake up, we'd sit down, we'd chat, and finally we uh, were able to lock down. He basically just gave up. He gave up, and, and it was our persistence that. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Because I mean, how many times do I knock on someone's door now? I mean, it doesn't really happen. But I mean, that's what it takes, right, for your first deal. Like a lot of these people are watching, and uh, the some people get lucky and they close it in the first month. But more often than not, like most people try for six months and then they give up. Yeah. Right. So this <laughs> yeah, is at the, first we did a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's that? Like knocking on doors, like yeah. just being persistent, staking people out, waiting yeah, for them like, to come home. Like he's not answering my call. I know he's gonna sell. Let's just wait. (laughs) So you said it was an interesting situation. So what was interesting about that? About your first deal? Well, I think because the process of how we got the buyer, like, and um, so first of all, like getting him under contract took like many touches of going to the house. Finally, he signed. And we locked him up too high. We locked him up 185, and that was too high at the time. It's crazy because the house is worth half a million now. But so 185, and um, what had happened is, you know, we were too high, and we were so scared that if we, if he was at the house when buyers came through, that someone would blow the deal for us. So we would go there and we'd say, "Hey, Donald, can you go to the dog park for like an hour?" And he's <laughs> like, uh, "Okay." So he'd leave, and then we'd send like four, th- two or three buyers through as many as we could. They'd walk through. And they'd be like, this ain't a deal. And we're like, it, it's a deal. And um, this happened two or three times where he, we were just so scared someone would steal it, So he'd be at the dog park. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, too, because right now we're, we don't ask sellers, hey, can you, can you leave for like an hour? Yeah. Bring your dogs. Like, we'll let well, you know when you come back. Um, we're just transparent about it. We're like, yeah. hey, we're going to have some of our uh, – we, we even tell people we, we're going to wholesalers say, hey, you know, uh, we sometimes. might buy this sometimes. We might buy this. We might flip it. We might uh, sell it to one of our, our business partners. We might bring in business partners. So we're going to have them walk through uh, during our due diligence period to see who we yeah. want to work with. So, they're, they're so you locked it up too high. Yeah. So we locked it up too high. We went back to them. Then we tell them we locked like we locked it up too high. I think so. I think. I mean, I think at that point we had a buyer at 180, right? Yeah. So we're like, look, look, Don. We we were very transparent with him. We're like, look, dude. Like, we're we're, we're trying to work with our business partner that's going to help us buy this property. Like, he he wants it at one. You know, I think we told him like 175, so yeah. we could get it 175, and then we made we made 5k. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, he will only move if we do buy it at 175. So eventually he was like, okay, fine, let's go. Yeah. And then you know we snuck it. We 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 put our fee in there, and that buyer took us. You know. Obviously, it was a better deal, but you know when you're so young or and new to the game, your buyers list is can be so weak that you're skinny and they can smell fear. <laughs> they and smell they, know, they know they can take advantage of you. <laughs> yeah, because we had another deal like right after that that was an amazing deal, and we were trying to make like thirty or 
I think we we're trying to make a hundred thousand on it with that buyer, and he was like, "You guys haven't paid your dues. I ain't buying this." But it was such a good deal. But he was not. Well, he it, just wanted it less. He, he wanted was going to buy it. He just wanted us to make less. Yeah. So having a good buyers list or network is so important when you're new because you're you're going to get taken. Yeah. That's why they need to reach out to you on your dispo team because if right. like I'm telling you, if you got a deal and you're about to make twenty, reach out to your your team to see what you really can make. And and that's what I would gauge if I'm new. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. But you guys do the same thing too, right? Everybody, everybody does the same yeah. thing, right? Uh, so then, what were some of the struggles? Like, you guys are now doing deals, right? You guys are on Mojo, which is was a big tool for a while. Yeah. No longer competitive. Um, for whatever reason, they refused to get with the times. Mm-hmm. So you guys are using Mojo, and you were getting deals. What were some of your first major obstacles in your journey? I think scaling, growing, because as soon as we made that a couple checks, we tried to hire a team. And at this point, we were with the broker, right? Mm-hmm. And the broker, we're, we were like low on money, you know, with ups and downs. So we're, we're like, he's like, I think we went to him and we said, hey, you know, you want to help us with money? And like, you, you obviously want to get into this too. So we split the business 30, 30, 30 with them. Everyone gets a third. Mm-hmm. And um, he, at that time, like we started hiring cold callers. We started hiring our buddies for $15 an hour. Wow. to call we didn't know and yes very nice what's what like uh the company out of costa rica was paying their cold callers oh so call motivated that was... sellers i don't know if you've heard yeah. of them so yeah, they're so... paying we were paying 20 for them at that time really yeah 20 bucks an hour. i think it was 20 or 15 if you got a discount so we're like 15 is good so we hire our buddies they called you know how it is they didn't work that hard even though we tried to get them and um yeah it didn't work out so that's that's that was so kind of an issue. You brought in a third partner, and then you took the money from the from the proceeds from the other sales, and Put then you hired your friends. How many friends did you hire? I think there were two, two that we hired. Two at fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and so that was a very quick jump. Yep, and that didn't work well. We our issue has been jump. paying for speed. We want we want speed. We want we want it quick. We want to grow fast, mm-hmm. which can be kind of a, an issue as you try to grow. Well, too it's a fast. good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. 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 So what happened? What was the, what was the outcome? I oh. guess the first one was the outcome of hiring your friends at fifteen dollars an hour. I don't think we they got didn't a deal from it. get any deals. No, and we okay. we spent all our money. How long did you keep them? About five months. All right. And they were part time, by the way. They were four hours a day. And then I don't even know if it was you, that long. To are be you honest. guys still friends? Of course. All right. We never burned the bridge. Well, and then what was the consequence of bringing a third partner? We split. How soon <laughs> after the partnership? After the uh, we, after the cold calling guys got fired, so so what had I think happened? We agreed to the partnership, so we agreed to the partnership, and then he put in some money because we had spent our money mm-hmm. in other marketing. Well, actually, so after the five k deal, it took like another five months to get a, our second deal. It didn't, so we got our first deal in like June, and we didn't get another deal until like October, and so it took a while to get our next deal, and we had from run door, out of that five k. We had run out of money. And so this broker started putting money into it. He started sending out mailers. He started paying for flyers. He was already paying for he Mojo. Was yeah, he was investing. Yeah, he some wanted. Money. He wanted to get into it. It wasn't a ton of money, but I mean, he put like you know five to ten k in it, and yeah. we got some deals from it. So I think what had originally what had ended up happening while we split with the brokers just because um, he was running a brokerage, right? And we were doing. We felt like all, uh, the, work. all the work 
and he was getting paid when those deals started coming in. So we were like, you know, we just don't see. Because after after his initial first investment, like, then we got some deals, and then we reinvested that money. And so we felt like thirty three percent was a lot for yeah, you know, five k of. And and then when we ran out, eventually ran out of money with the cold calling, we we split with him, and it was funny. He was like. He's like, why are you guys leaving? You know, I, I bring experience to this team. Like, you guys don't have experience. And I was like, bro, with your experience, why didn't you tell us not to hire people at $15 an hour? And this is what he said. He said, I needed you guys to learn. And I'm like, how I do you... I can see that from his perspective. I'm well, like, but then what's the point of his experience? I'm like, what's the point of your experience if you want me to learn from that? So it was it was funny. I mean, I can see... I mean, we, we haven't talked to him since. I've mm-hmm. reached out and apologized, you know, because you don't want any bad blood or anything. Right. So I, I was like, hey, I'm sorry things happened that way. He never responded. He's pretty... He, he should be happy, though, because we got him a deal that I think he, he made probably $150,000 plus on it on a, flip. on a flip it was a great deal yeah that sounds like a wonderful deal so you guys didn't split that deal with him that was just his deal so we he technically bought it from us yeah he paid us out and we're, we're, i remember at the time i was like hey we'll flip it with you and he's like no 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 i got this guys let me just pay you and i was so like paid you guys the assignment fee yeah he paid us the assignment fee and kept the deal and flipped it which which he paid us a good i mean we made 42k off the assignment yeah so it was a win-win it was a very good deal yeah okay so then what happened after that so we, we scaled, didn't quite go the right way, partnered up, didn't quite go the right way. What happened after that? Well, I think the issue we had in the beginning was like not being consistent with whatever marketing channel we did. We did a lot of door knocking. We would do flyering. We'd do cold calling. We did mail. Texting. But texting. But in the beginning, it was just like we never found that, that, that thing where it was consistently, where we consistently get deals. Yeah, we'd spend money on mailers and not get yeah, 8K. Like a single call, right? Yeah, you spend 8K, you wouldn't get a deal, and you'd be like, at that time when... It's, I mean, AK is a lot still, right? But you spend that when you're brand new. Yeah, Yeah. I mean. AK is a lot of money when you're starting. When you're new and you don't get a deal from mailers, you're almost like devastated. So, I mean, if I could go back, I would have done a lot more networking and, and, um, you know, trying to get deals through, you know, my relationships, which you can get deals that way. Absolutely. So, but what what, what happened? So, you you tried all these different marketing things. Didn't work. Then did you wise up? It's like, oh, let's just go hard on one marketing thing, or did you make some other blunders along the way. No, we made we were making blunders for months. We're still and making years blunders. And, <laughs> so, right after we left from the partnership with the broker, um, we reached out to another buyer that we were cool with, and we we're like, hey, you know, we're kind of out of mo- marketing money. Would you be willing to invest two thousand dollars in us in flyers, and we'll go hand them out, and any listings that we get from it, you can have. And he was like. You ain't getting a deal with 2K, but I'll, I'll give it. I'll give you a shot. So we went to his office, worked there, made cold calls, and then we would hand out flyers. And Did after, we get our own mojo by then. Yeah, we had our own yeah. mojo at that time. And me and him were just grinding. And uh, eventually, he he's like, guys, I'm I'm moving my office, and you guys can take a hike. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work either. It didn't work either. And okay. then we can't. We went back to working at our houses, and then we discovered texting. And that's that's that was work. a game changer. That was a game changer. Was a game yeah. changer. Okay, so what was your business like right before texting? What was your business after texting? No deals before texting. For Inconsistent a while. deals. Yeah. Yeah, like no deals. Like no, it had been a couple months at least. Yeah. It was dry. What yeah, was dry? dry, dry, dry spell there for a little bit, and then we started texting, and then we got like five, six deals right they in were, a row. They were nice, big, and Some we paid. We paid him back. We we're like, thank you for believing in us. Here's the two K, and he was yeah. like, 
wow, you guys really, you did it. You brought, you bring me money back. We're still cool with them. But um, yeah, so we got into texting. This is the part of our journey where we weren't good at buyers still. We were just good at acquisitions and acquiring properties. So we reached out to a, a, a wholesaling company in our in Utah, and these guys dispoed all our deals for like a year, mm-hmm. and for like a seventy thirty split. They were just just we were feeding them. We we're like, hey, yeah, man, we were making more from them than we would have, like just doing with our own right buyers. So it was like a no brainer. So we kept doing that. Hired an acquisition guy, got an office, things were rolling, and then I think we got to a point where we're like, man, we're giving away a lot of money. We can get buyers, and I asked. I think I reached out to them and asked them to lower their split, and then they were like, no. So I, then I found out someone in the network that had their buyers list and had been building mm-hmm. their buyers. So I bought that from them for five k, and mm-hmm. then we were selling deals at that time. Our Got own it. deals. Yeah, the list was huge for us. It was like so, the biggest deal. So texting was a big milestone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the next big milestone was having your own buyers list. Yeah, yeah, having yeah. your own buyers list went. We made so much more money. Honestly, it blew me away that it was like so easy to sell deals with the list. Yeah, so that's just a quick plug for investor lift just in case you guys are wondering the importance of a buyer's list it is huge because like when you got that three or four buyers that you met on facebook they're going to take you to town well not just taking them down it's the same thing you have a contractor right? if you only have one contractor and you get the same bid from him every time his price just gradually yeah. increases yeah and the buyer's price gradually gets lower yeah so you have to have multiple buyers you don't. If you can get as many buyers to show up to a showing as possible, you're gonna get a good. De- you're gonna get a good price. Yeah. Well, that's if Brandon's you only got thing, two right? or three. Yeah. That's like Brandon's. Uh, Brandon Simmons' go-to move. Yeah. To get everybody. Just people that are not Open even house. looking at the house. So just people to show up, right? <laughs> <laughs> people yeah. are walking yeah. through. I've gotten texts from them. Hey, you want to check out this house? Or what? So just come on over. <laughs> just come on over, <laughs> man. Please help me. There'll be some subway subs. There'll be some yeah. sliders there. So, all right. So the next big milestone that was getting your own buyers list. So you bought it from another investor. Yeah. 5k 5k and i think that's something right like if you guys wanted to get a buyer's list i think 5k that's what investor lift charges but you can always collaborate right i think uh list swapping is something that uh a lot of newer wholesalers do as well so i mean there's creative ways to build a buyer's list and here's talking about the importance of the buyer's list yeah i mean at that point we knew the importance of it and since then we've just been growing building 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 it up right so who's building the buyer's list for you um, I think everybody in the company is always like trying to network, but you guys don't have like a designated like dispo guy or dispo like or designated like relationship we, person. We have we do. A, yeah. So we, now, we now we we do nationwide. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean he builds the list when he we have deals in an area, right? So he builds that list there. But um, we don't build in Utah much anymore. Yeah, and we I'm only have asking like because like you know for yeah. us. What we found is, you know, we got a guy on our team. He's a rock star, Ryan Overcash. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like he, that guy. He's, he's yeah, awesome. He's just like, he just, you just naturally want to be friends with him, right? He Dude, calls Ryan, you up, he talks to you, yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, put me on your list, right? So go yeah. ahead. When I met Ryan for the first time, I'm like, I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that about him. Yeah. He's just super charismatic, and you want to work with him. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So, uh, what did your business, how did your business look after you built your buyers list? You were saying like your profits per deal went way up. Yeah. yeah. I think profits per deal went up just ability to sell more deals like that we couldn't sell before so yeah. more deals more profit per deal and then is this a time when you guys started joint venturing no not yet we didn't we didn't know how to do that okay, yet so what was the next part so, of your journey yeah i mean our, our journey has been like this but I'll, I'll explain so we went down so we uh we had hired acquisition guy at this time 
Herman, right? And then what happened is deals for some reason just started becoming more difficult to get at that time. Yeah. Right. And this is kind of when we went nationwide. This is right before COVID. This is right before COVID. For texting wasn't hitting as much. I think that's when the regulations started getting mm-hmm. tweaking a little bit, and maybe we weren't didn't have the knowledge to. That's really all we were doing. When the whack-a-mole started with the texting, you had to, you had to constantly change your texting. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. We had VAs running it, and they didn't have that experience, so we mm-hmm. were like, man, these aren't hitting as much. So. Things weren't going that well for us, and then COVID hit. In our office, we were a month to month, so when COVID hit, we we all just went virtual. We all went home, and we were like, it was just a struggle to get deals like at yeah. that time in Utah because I mean I think when you're specifically in a major metro, and if you're not good at marketing or have that network, it can be difficult unless you're spending those marketing dollars or, or you, you know, you're putting out a lot of effort. So we saw a podcast. Your podcast. Um, it was it was his podcast with yeah with Nick. Nick, do you remember Nick Perry? Yeah, yep. and he was talking about how he was crushing it with nationwide pay per click, mm-hmm. and we were like, "That's the answer." So I reached out to Nick Perry. It felt like it felt like a a, re- a revelation, yeah. like a pure the inspiration right there. I mean, he's the only one I know that's done it well. <laughs> yeah. right? I'm not saying others haven't, but like he's the only one I know for sure. Like, yeah, because like, that was how he made his mark. Right. 100%. So I yeah. reached out to him. I hit him up in the DMs, the DMs on Facebook, and I said, bro, teach me, please. So he was gracious enough to, like, get on some Zoom calls. He would charge us, like, he's like, I don't have coaching. Just pay this an hour for every hour. And we would pay him for an hour of his time. He showed us how to run the PPC. And, um, you know, we tried the, we did the nationwide PPC. And uh, I think our first, yeah, you want to kind of. Yeah, we've been doing that for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the first month was the greatest and the worst crazy, month right? like for us. We were getting leads and we were locked. We probably locked up like 40 to 50 deals the first month. We were stoked. I, I remember the first week. Go ahead. And we were just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be insane, right? Yeah, we're all buddies. So we went to Corey's house like after the first week where we locked up a ton of deals and we're like, we're all like hooting and hollering, and, like so excited. We're like, dude, we're going to make so much money. This is great. Like three weeks down the line. We, you know, yeah, we sold like two of the deals. Yeah, because yeah. we were and locking canceled, up canceled like thirty plus contracts. We were locking up deals in the middle of like upstate New York where no one lives and mm-hmm. like random places, and we could, did not know how to dispo. So then we we're like Nick, because Utah was like probably similar to here, very hard to get a deal, easy to sell a deal. Oh yeah, and so we had been in that mindset for like two and a half years, two yeah. years. Gosh, dude. And then so it's like, oh, these are so so easy. We felt so good, and our wives were like, they're probably looking at us like, you guys, you guys know what you're talking about. But yeah. uh, well, and I've heard the similar story with other people who are trying to go nationwide, and I, I'll share it for ourselves. You know, when we went to Albuquerque, I think the first month there we locked up like eight contracts. Yeah, and then like no one wants to buy. It's <laughs> weird. Yeah. Well. It's interesting because in like Salt Lake City, you get a deal like 80, 85%. You think yeah. that's legit. So you go to Peoria, Illinois, and you get it at 50%. You're like, this is a deal. The and they're like, bro, we buy like Probably. 20% here. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> you know? Or yeah. we don't even want it. You know, yeah. that's on the train tracks or, you know. So, but we, we reached out to Nick. We said, Nick, how are you doing this? How are you dispoing these deals? And he's like, so he sold us his buyers list, which had. You know, thank, thank. That was nice of him to do, uh, for a lot of money at the time. So because we thought it would solve the issue, yeah. but that's an art as well. Is dispelling is an art. Yeah. So we thought having the because the five K list had solved our problems before. We said, you know, this this giant list is going to solve our problems. 
Not really. It didn't really solve our problems. It helped, but mm. it's displaying's an art. And still, if you got a crappy property in the middle of nowhere, I don't care how good your list is. No, it's going to be hard to move it. Right. So that's kind so, of the issue we had. So there were multiple lessons there. I haven't heard any successes, but you guys said you've been doing it for two years now. So there has to be some success. There has to be something on the other side of the rainbow. Oh yeah, there's definitely yeah, I mean, success. At that I'm point, we, a, yeah, at that point, we I mean, we had done a bunch of deals. Yeah, there were deals in there, but we had done I don't know 25, 30 deals in the two years. Mm-hmm. I don't know something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we just focus so much on like not like the not the lessons learned but like how we're where not to improve where to improve like yeah. we're always beating each other up because you know how it is social media you see these guys just crushing it and you're like well you know we're getting rocked you know mm-hmm. like things happen like it's hard uh but no no we've uh you know after after um we did the nationwide thing i'll, I'll just continue with the journey if you want and where where yeah. things picked up so after the nationwide thing and and trying to figure out the dispoing and nick perry thing we were like in in, in debt bro we, like we were in trouble like we were we, we i think we were like 40 50k in debt just from that um all the ppc probably, ad spend right it's probably like a year right yeah mm-hmm. and we reached out to brandon simmons and sean terry's because we had heard that sean terry had figured out like how to to make the ppc model work mm-hmm. and, he, and he was teaching his mastermind so at that time we reached out and brandon simmons uh was like um kind of i think coaching and helping out with uh, sean terry so we're like Brandon, like we we're not idiots. Like we can do this, but like we're we're in trouble. And he's like, "You guys should JV." And I'm like, "Okay, like, tell me more about that." And then it just clicked to me that we that's, knew about it, but we knew about, it, but not that much. Like, yeah. it clicked to me that that's what we had done our first year, right? Mm-hmm. So then I I got on Facebook Market Marketplace Messenger. I just lit everybody up. Said, "Who's got a deal? I'll help you move it." We got we got Nick Perry's buyers list. We'll we'll move anything. And that's kind of how we dug ourselves out of the hole. Now we built relationships. We, we our dispoing is legit. Um, you know, we've we've found other key partnerships. Like we do a lot of deals through Homelight. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody knows about them. Um, and we've just increased other marketing channels. So because of like JVing, this this is how JVing saved. I I believe our company is because sometimes there's up and down months uh, with wholesaling when you do pay the paid marketing. Sometimes they'll hit big. So you need to let you know other things to kind of supplement yeah. that's that's kind of like what had helped us well and jv is the most profitable model it you is, might not yeah. make as much but there's very don't little spend cost. that much either yeah and then, a lot cheaper than ppc yeah and, and what what i learned from going with sean terry and brandon was the power of like uh he talks about the go-giver right giving back like mm-hmm. and I, I i didn't i always kind of looked at you uh, people in the space like other investors as like competition and i never like looked at them as like a way to make money i was like right. i'm not trying to talk to you give you any information it was kind of like yeah i i didn't want i didn't think that was a good avenue but then you know they showed me it's like hey man you can you can help each other grow so start networking one of the deals we did from being in the mastermind with sean terry is we made fifty thousand on a deal um that we we're gonna make zero because it was like a it was a million dollar property in colorado it was a really weird situation. The tenant was like a bodybuilder, had tats everywhere and like diamonds in his cheeks. And the the oh, the landlord oh, that was selling it of him. was so scared of him, and nobody wanted the property. But someone in our mastermind was like, "I'll take it on." This and is we couldn't deal. get into it to show it. Like yeah. tons of problems. So having that relationship got the deal done because the guy that we sold to ended up going knocking on the door, and the guy's like, "Yeah, I'll leave." 
I just didn't like the the, the landlord. <laughs> so um, that taught me relationships, get deals sold, right? Mm-hmm. And networking and working with people and helping people succeed is going to help you in this business other than looking at competition. So from that point, you know, joining that mastermind, things have just gone way better. So just a quick tangent here, you know, you're talking about the bodybuilder. So I was, you know, doing this by myself for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went to this appointment where the guy's house was like 240. And I was like, I'll offer you 180. And like, he's a bodybuilder. Like he's like way bigger than me yeah. and muscular. And he says, no, you're paying 245. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, you know what? Let me think about it. Let me get back to you on that. <laughs> I'll get back to you. I was like, man, if this guy's like assaults me, like I'm going to be completely defenseless. <laughs> right? Like it's not very many guys where that I'll, I'll, I'll look and it's like, man, I'm in trouble. But that guy, yeah, Big I guy. mean, he could have been roided out or whatever. I have no idea. But I was like, you know, did you pay the 240? Yeah, no question. No, it's like I'll get back to you. You know, like Monday, oh, <laughs> give gosh. me a yes or a no. That's hilarious. Um, call him back. I called him back. It's like, yeah, I'm still at 180. <laughs> but over the phone, I was a lot braver. Oh, of that course, is, yeah, always. <laughs> In text, he's even braver. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So, um, I want to talk about. You know, you called uh, Nick and you called Brandon. So first, just you know, we're comparing notes here. What was Nick charging at that time for, for hour? Because I charge an hourly rate. He was charging five hundred dollars an hour. I mean, that's a really nice guy. Okay, good. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna leave my number alone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we thought that was a lot because we would, we talked to him a lot, you know. But he. So the other question is, like, a lot of people are reluctant. Apparently, uh, especially, kind of sounded like you are had some uh, scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people are reluctant to reach out to an expert or someone else that's having success and paying them. So was there any reluctance? No, not at all. And then uh, what, what gave you the, the comfort to, to reach out to these, to him, to Brandon, to Sean? So re- I'm, I'm never reluctant to reach out to anybody uh, because I'm not asking them to give me something for free ever. Like I'm never like, hey, Nick, will you teach me just because I'm a cool guy and I'll work really hard for you? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to say, dude, uh, Nick, Nick I'll, I'll pay you for your time. I know your, your time is valuable. Like I'm willing to... Yeah, if we to, felt it was valuable, we were more than willing to pay. But you weren't offering to buy him coffee. No, not coffee. Maybe a little uh, hot what? chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's when we reach out. When I reach out to people, I feel like I can benefit them by giving them like paying for their time or giving back. Like I wouldn't reach out to someone if I didn't feel like I had any value to to give to them. So never reluctant to reach out because I'm willing to 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 do whatever it takes. And if they're like, look, man, I'm super busy. And I don't have any time for you. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys just had your biggest month ever. Yeah. yeah. 200 plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could break that down for the audience, what does that 200K look like? How many deals? So it's nine, de- nine deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was two, two wholesales. Um, and uh, I think the rest were wholesale deals. So okay. nationwide. Nationwide. Yeah. Seller direct, joint venture. Uh, I think one of them was a JV. A small mm-hmm. one. Oh yeah, one of them was a, a memorandum of contract that we hit released because uh, the seller went around for us mm-hmm. and we they paid us to get out, negotiated and, and negotiate. And then the rest were um, whole JV memorandum contract, and then uh, two uh, wholesales, and then the rest were um, of the nine were direct seller, direct seller. All, so yeah. was that all PPC or texting? We were to break down the lead sources or um, panels. Couple cold calling. Couple home light. Um, Texting. I don't think so. Cold calling and home light. We just restart, so we stopped PPC. 
Um, yeah, we stopped it because stop? it got it got a little out of hand with the areas and our ad spend got a little crazy. So mm -hmm. we, we had were, messed up our campaign so bad that it was like yeah, there was no going coming back. We're not like the. I then mean, we started over. Yeah, just barely. So we re we restarted it. Yeah, I mean mar yeah. marketing is is always an ongoing uh, thing. I think ebbs and flows. Got to go with a marketing degree. <laughs> I wish it helped. <laughs> I really wish it helped. This guy's marketing but degree. My marketing on. degree has not helped me at all. I think, I, yeah, no. All right, so I want to jump into the questions from the audience before we do that. Guys, our sales training is next week. If you guys want to check it out, we literally train hundreds of people per month. If you guys want to get in, figure out why so many people are buying sales training from us, uh, go to disruptors.com slash sales disruptors. And let's go ahead and jump into the questions over here. Uh, so from Facebook, this is Lane with the many entrepreneurs you've spoken to. Do you think there's a book on self-development that you should absolutely read first that was shared between them? So I guess for each one of you guys, which is like your number one self development book? You know what? Um, this book, I love this book and, um, it's called the slight edge. It just talks about doing small, simple things daily consistently. That, is that Brian Tracy, I think so. No. Which is it? Uh, honestly, I can't remember the I author. I can't remember his name. It's but, not uh, Brian Tracy. There's a lot of books that are like it, right? It's the one thing, all that stuff. It, it talks about, you know, the, the small, simple things that you don't see giant results from immediately that make the difference. And I think that's something I've learned as an entrepreneur is like, you know, developing a healthy mindset, mentality, um, making offers consistently, you know, marketing consistently. It's, it's like, you know, you got to do it consist consistently, or you know, you're not going to see the results. And that's yeah. I think as noobs in the beginning, you know, we we go hard cold calling for an eight hours one day, and we like, but then we couldn't do it again. The next yeah. day, we're we're spent for a week. So that's the, it's all about the consistency. Yeah, and I think just to that point, the, the fine edge. You know, I think that one thing I've noticed uh, as uh, as an observer is we have to do so much in our operations now to get the deals that we get. And I think it's so hard today as a solopreneur, I'm not trying to be discouraging, just yeah, bro. the reality is like we, there are so many levers and places where your system can break, whether like, you know, the lead came in and for whatever reason that day, the call rail <laughs> didn't yeah. work. Or the zap. Or the, the zap didn't work. <laughs> The APIs are falling apart or like... Or your lead manager didn't call it. Lead manager didn't call it's it. Salesforce hurts. broke yeah. today. Yeah. Someone's calling us. There's so many things. So you're talking about the slight edge. Like we are really like, um, I wouldn't say doing it at a high level, but we're consciously fixing these things. Like I can't imagine as a solopreneur today, you yeah. know, all those things. You, you definitely have to leverage. I mean, me and Corey, uh, we got here like at nine o'clock today. We've met with some like Jesse Burrell, some of these guys and these... <laughs> These guys that we've learned from you and, and uh, people like this is they leverage talent. You know, they, they have the right who's. They, that's how they get this done is they, ha they hire the right people. Yeah. And it's amazing to see, like, what they can get done. It's really important. Yeah. What about you? How about you? Your, your number um, one personal development book. I would say The Slight Edge, but I'll give a different one since Nate gave that one. I'd probably say The Seven Habits. Yeah. I really like the, the Seven Habits. Um, just kind of mastering yourself you know in the first three habits and then learning how to be you know exist in win-win relationships and create value in relationships and you know synergizing and all that stuff i think you know learning how to yeah master yourself and then also how to yeah create great relationships yeah 
Think and Grow Rich. I don't want to go too deep into other books, but Think and Grow Rich is great too with mindset. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's one of, one of the best books, and um, a lot of people really struggle with that book. Um, struggle to read it, you with that particular book. Really, not reading books, but that particular book. That that's the one that most people like. They read it and they're like, they uh, they can't get through it. That book's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so Lane's asking how that listen to our blog. So Lane, if you um. Hmm. Uh, we'll definitely put that list up. I know that we, we compiled it. We need to update it. So um, if, uh, let's see, I think Mon's listening to this. So if you guys send me a reminder, I will definitely post that uh, list on our blog. Uh, Raylan White's asking, if you were to start it over from scratch today, would you cold call or text? Um, Neither. Yeah, man, I mean, to be honest, if I started myself over again, I would become like the the guy who flips this is my opinion i'd be the guy who flips in utah I'd, I'd, I'd call all the real estate agents i would do all organic marketing and be known as the the go-to guy like hey i'm buying everything because mm -hmm. as being a wholesaler you're marketing to sellers like i'll buy your house but in to the network you're you're like a wholesaler you're like the middle guy i want to be i would be known as the, the guy that gets the deals done i'll flip them mm -hmm. if uh you know if the, the numbers work and wholesaling is kind of like uh like an extra strategy. Yeah. So I would I call all real estate agents in my market. I'd look for off market deals. I'd say bring me anything. I'd be looking at people's deals, uh, other wholesalers' deals. I'd be like these hedge funds that have underwriters that are literally just looking yeah. at deals. That that's what I would do to to learn. So to let me ask you this, and um, you know if you're if you're starting brand new, someone's listening to this, right? Like uh, wholesaling is easier to start, not necessarily easier to do. Mm -hmm easier to start it's like um there's not as many um you don't need capital there's no risk right yeah there's less risk right whereas flipping like if you've never done a flip before like how do you get the loans and this and that so what would you do what would you tell someone who's starting brand new as a flip with zero real estate experience well maybe i need to rephrase that i would be I guess my marketing or like I'd be known, I'd try to be like the guy that flips, mm -hmm. but I would still look at it as like, I'm going to move the deals, the best extra strategy. Got it. Now, if, now if it's like, if it is the best to flip it, I would get partners involved. Like I'd reach out to you or I'd reach out to someone and be like, hey, I have a, this amazing deal. I'd like to flip. Would you like to go in on me or hard money? Mm -hmm. or, yeah, private money. And then most likely we're gonna just buy the deal from them. Yeah. So. Uh, and then um, James Cook is what's home light? What's home? It's just like a lead gen source. They run commercials, they run online advertisement, and they sell leads to realtors and investors. Yeah, and you can, um, if you qualify, they'll give you leads and for you to buy, right? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to wholesale them, you're supposed to buy them. So we use them as to buy. We've done some flips from Home Light, but sometimes, you know, we wholesale them. Yep. And then Peyton Burks, uh, since you guys are nationwide, what is your criteria for getting into a new market? What's the criteria? If it's, the lead comes in from that market. No, I think... Well, the, when you're doing PPC, right? Like, you're in enough states to make the leads cost-effective, right? So you want to... So basically, you, mean you can't control where the lead comes in at, so... But but we you, have specific states that we don't target, like North, yeah. North Dakota, West Virginia, South Dakota, so... Illinois. For him, to answer his question the way I, I would answer is... um just has to have enough like major metros like i guess uh interest like in, where people would want to you want to you want to 
target where people will buy deals. Mm -hmm. So people don't buy deals in West Virginia, from our experience. Really? Not, well, they probably do, but they not probably like do. But we've tried to sell ten or fifteen there, and mm -hmm. have not been able to sell any. Uh, in Dakota, I've never heard anything about Dakota. So North and South Dakota, not the funnest. Uh, well, I mean, if you run a pay-per-click campaign mm -hmm. and for the statewide in South or North Dakota, you're going to get a lot of stuff outside of like the, the major cities there. So mm -hmm. it's just going to be a waste of your funds. Has your PPC campaigns always been more um, regional versus localized? No. So when we first did it, we used... Salt Lake City? Yeah, what was that AdWords company? Nerds. AdWords Nerds. Mm -hmm to do our PPC and we did it just in Salt Lake and we got some deals from that. Yeah. Then it so got like, really expensive. Yeah, it started getting like $400 a click. Uh, we were my out. understanding is that Salt Lake is the most competitive market. See? All right. In case you guys didn't know. I feel like, I mean, I didn't I mean, know got, that, but I, I mean, you got if, if, I knew Cody Hoffman there. Yep. You got Jason Lewis there. Andy you McFarlane. Got Andy McFarlane. Matt Oviatt, like. Yeah, these guys, they got, pay to play. That's you got some sure. massive hitters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the Salt Lake area, and Clay, mm -hmm. right? Like Clay and Brian. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you got some massive players up there, and Salt Lake's not big. It's, it's not huge. There's some. Yeah, you, you're here. You see how big Phoenix is. Yeah, I think like the four. <laughs> there's four major counties, and I think it's like a little over a million people, maybe two million people. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So definitely PPC is, is. So that's that's originally why another reason why we went nationwide, right? Is because. We were doing the pay-per-click, we were doing the texting, and it was like getting expensive to get deals there. And Sean Terry's had the same experience. That's why he kind of went nationwide. Mm -hmm. He said to get deals in uh, what's like here in Phoenix, it was getting more expensive. So he he. It's was his fault. Sure. It's his fault. It's expensive. Because <laughs> he taught everybody how to. He do taught it. everyone how to do it, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Because uh, he was doing it, and I was doing it, and then uh, apparently he was telling everybody else about it. So yeah, what that's, my that's... my. Twelve dollars a lead quickly became four hundred dollars a lead. So that's crazy. So it's a hundred percent his fault if you're paying attention, Sean Terry. Um, let's yeah. see. Ain't that ain't that the truth, right? Uh, so you're talking about your mission and investor thrive. We haven't really jumped into it. What is your mission? My mission. Oh. Investor thrive. Oh, my mission at Investor Thrive, not my mission that I serve. Mm -mm. Um, my mission at Investor Thrive is I want to help. I like real estate. I love real estate, but I. I want to help people in their personal lives more. That's like what I'm really interested in is like when I dive into these self-help books like Mindset, I believe that there's like a process and a system just like there is in wholesaling for getting leads. I believe there's a process and a system for getting your mind right. And I kind of think we're everyone, in my opinion, everyone is so focused on real estate and getting leads and getting deals that they neglect like how important it is to wake up early consistently at the right time. Um, you know, have a, th I call it, it's called theater of the mind. If you've read the book, psycho cybernetics, it talks about like going to a place in your mind, uh, where you like relive wins. So you feel like a winner every day. Like those are things that I write in my journal every day, like wins that I have, or, you know, things I'm grateful for. I do affirmations and I just feel like, like mentally I'm, I'm pretty solid, but that's something I want to want to kind of do as the mission of Investor Thrive is not only help people succeed in their real estate businesses, but in their personal lives. Because at the end of everything, real estate's great. If you own a hundred thousand like rentals, that's great. But if your your uh, personal life, your your relationship with your family, God, religion, if you if you're into that, um, that's like in my opinion, that's more important. That's why we're here. We're here in this life to, to you know develop relationships, help people, 
you know, grow, yeah. give back. So that that's the mission. It's a big mission. Anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, just create an impact in people's lives, right? Help yeah. them to make the progress that they want, get to where they want, and, you know, not obviously do it for them, but be a, you know, just a, a help, a, you know, an aid along the way. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're talking about is so important, um, you know, because we're, t- we're very tactical here. We try to be inspirational on this show. You know, the first half, you inspirational. Yeah. And the second half of the show, get really tactical, right? And it's a combination of inspiration and tactics. But we don't really talk as much about mindset, right? So the, I'm hoping the inspiration kind of helps people get through the mindset challenges, you know, the things, that, the garbage, the noise that's inside their heads. Yeah. But I think, like, the mindset, if the mindset's right, everything else works. Yeah. Or everything else clicks. But And you were talking about kind of like the mission, like that helped you when you were on the mission. Is like you had, not necessarily a routine, but you knew what you had to do every day. 100%. Like, so when you wake up and you don't want to make those dials or you don't want to go to work because your tummy hurts, mm-hmm. you, your mind is right. You're like, hey, I'm not, and it's a slight edge, right? It's like, if I don't do this today, like, I'm behind. I'm not. So uh, I talked to a lot of, because I am coaching a little bit, um, and I talked to a lot of people who they're, they're, uh, their mind's not right. It's yeah. like, if you want to do this business, this is just like any other business. This is a grind. Mm-hmm. You know, you, in order to get your foot in the door, you got to work hard. So that, that 10 dials you made or that 20 dials, that's not going to get it done. You need 50 to a hundred dials a day. Um, you need to talk to 50 leads out of that. You can get a contract. So uh, the mindset is something everyone talks about. Cause I talked to a lot of people too. And they're like, I'm like, what's the one thing you could tell people? And they say mindset. But my thing is, let's let's actually give people a process and like a system, like a schedule. Let's let's develop a schedule for every individual, so a routine, so you can actually get your mind mind right. That, yeah. that's what I want. I remember, you know, going to uh, Sean Terry's, you know, Freedom event, mm-hmm. and like the first day was mindset, mindset, mindset. I remember Patrick Precourt, someone I respect a lot. You know, uh, I got to know personally uh, more recently, uh, and he's talking about mindset. And me, right? I'm at this event. I was like, let's get over this nonsense. Like, <laughs> yes. let's. Yeah, the tactics, right? Exactly. Uh, and for me personally, um, you know, mindset's not a ch- much of a challenge for me, so I don't care about that. So like, just give me the good stuff. Let me figure it out. Let me go apply, right? Like, why don't we spend more time on tactics and strategies? Yeah. But I've since learned, like, ninety plus percentage of people need to fix the mindset before we can even discuss tactics and strategies, because tactics and strategies are relevant. We don't have the right mindset. Exactly what I find too. I mean, everybody, when you bring up mindset you just you got to work hard you got to change your mindset everyone just turns their brain off they're like yeah dude i've heard that on a hundred motivational videos mm-hmm. and that's but that's take massive action yeah take yeah that doesn't really help anyone <laughs> to be like hey you need to believe in yourself that doesn't right. like when no i no offense to anybody that plays motivational videos but when i hear them i roll my eyes too i'm like this this isn't this isn't doing anything for me i, I don't yeah. need to hear about the guy who couldn't breathe underwater that's a good one right but he's like oh if you want to <laughs> fight as hard as you can breathe it's inspirational. It's inspirational, but for me, I'm like, it okay. only lasts 30 seconds, though. Yeah. And well, it's like a shower. Like, you need it every single day. Yeah, so, like, you go to these big events, and they're great. You meet with great people, but, you know, three days after, you're like, I can't remember what anyone said, but I felt great, but now I'm, I'm kind of dying on the motivation. Mm-hmm. My thing is, like, keep that going. Like, do those daily act- routines and those activities that, that slight edge. Yeah, we want to give motivated. We want to give people tactics to be able to do the things that they don't want to do, but they should do that day right yeah so let's talk about it. uh i mean if, if this is the mission right and again this is a challenge that i have mm-hmm. uh, as someone that's trying to help people i mean truthfully i'm in my own coaching program i, I pay somebody else yeah who i just saw earlier is, is is coming in which is awesome 
uh, for one of our episodes, but I'm paying somebody else, right? Uh, on mindset and, and coaching everything else. And I share with him like, hey, my biggest frustration as a business owner, as a leader, is there are people I just can't, can, I just cannot get through, yeah. right? Like they say they want it, I want it for them, but I want it for them more than they want it for themselves. Right. And I'm stuck, I can't fix this problem. I hear you, man. So you have a solution here? Um, my solution for that would be like you present the the formula, right? You like for example, I had an acquisition guy, and I presented him my my daily routine that I kind of want to give to people. But y you can give it to him, and you can follow up. Be like, hey, did you make your life plan? That's one of the things I've done. It's okay. Like I have a vision of what I want to accomplish in this life, so I can give that to you. But if you don't want to sit down for thirty minutes and think about what you want to write it out, I can't make you do that. Mm -hmm. So. Um, for people that say they want it, maybe you could call them out and be like, hey man, like this is the formula, like this is the, the, the outline to how you can achieve your goals. But if you don't even want to fill this out or stay consistent for a week of, you know, writing down what you're grateful for, or how are you going to achieve it? I mean, um, what they say? A plan not written is only a, a wish or something. Yeah. It, well, yeah, it's a, 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 was it a, a goal not written is only a wish or yeah, a plan or something something without a plan is just a dream. A goal without a plan is just a dream. Yeah, and that's the kind of same thing I feel like with people, their their lives, they, they just, and I love my pops. My pops is great, but I think, uh, you know, sometimes like back in the day, people just, they just did, they just went through it. And that's okay. Like they, if that's what they want, like mm -hmm. they go to job. But like for yeah, me, it's just different priorities. Different right? priorities. And that's totally cool. But if you want to achieve, if we want to make three. If you want to grow a business, right? Yeah, if we want to get $3 million this year. It's not going to happen from saying it on this podcast. It's going to happen from us going to break down how many leads we need, like reverse engineering. It's the same thing with your life. You you want to you want ten rentals? We'll go get. You got to get qualified for a mortgage. Yeah. You, know, you tell me start. like putting on a poster board and looking at it every day is not going to help. Uh, no, man. You got to take action, daily <laughs> action. So that's the mission. I'm. I don't know if you can tell. I'm stoked about that because I I love it. I love yeah. doing that thing. That stuff daily because that's that's what makes it happen. Well, I mean that's the reason why. Like you know, uh, on our podcast, I say consistent action. I never say like massive action because like <laughs> massive action is it's it's it. it someone's got to like hype themselves up and, and jump into this is and a failing strategy. I love massive action. I'm that guy. I take massive action all the time. The problem is not everybody taking too many massive actions. Right? It yeah. frustrates everyone that works uh, with me. But most people like they hear massive action is like, oh, that's too big or that's not for me, and then they get discouraged before they even start. Right. So that's why I'm always preaching consistent action. Like we can all consistent. be consistent. Yeah. Yeah, because the person who makes five offers a day every day and never quits doing that is going to get more deals than someone who makes you know 20 offers in one day mm -hmm. and then takes a week long break right and that's kind <laughs> and of as rusty come, when monday comes back around yeah and yeah that, and that's kind of the issue i feel like with a lot of the wholesaling like acquisition reps that you hire like they'll they'll go hard and then they'll get a check and they'll relax or they won't go as hard it's like now nah, give me that va give me that that virtual assistant maybe that's a, that it will be consistently on that phone on time every day just working Mm -hmm. that's that's how they're they're built you know they're yeah. built to do that that's more it's more reliable something you kind of and we actually had this uh, with our own uh, team many many years ago was that we had these guys you know and they were responsible for this many dials a week we've changed it right now it's per day but for a while it was per week and on monday it's like hey uh what happened last week okay okay tuesday hey are you gonna hit the phones now i'll make it up on thursday and friday hey wow. on wednesday hey like wh where are we it's like i will hit it this weekend no one no one does or if they it. hit it on no the week. weekend they hit it once ever yeah bro and it never is never consistent well, real quick i want to say this so i learned consistency through door knocking too because i my last 
two years of knocking doors, I never zeroed out, which means you never go out on the doors from like 11 to nine and not get a sale. Mm -hmm. And that was because I never stopped knocking doors. Like I would knock on doors, someone didn't answer, I'd keep going. Uh, if I made a sale, I'd keep going, like I'd keep going door to door, never took a break. I'd have like a granola bar, but Just I'd keep be walking. While I'm walking. And the thing is like, how did I do that? Like that's pretty impressive, I guess, in the door to door space to never not sell a door, door for every day that you went out. It's because the consistent door knocking is applied to anything you want. You want to be a boss at anything, lifting weights, yeah, you lift those weights daily, baby. So I showed I showed the during our quarterly planning for this coming quarter. Well, for the quarter we're in now, I showed our acquisitions guys like what we would have made if we would have if they would have each just made like eight offers a day, and we would have like made like a little over a million in the quarter. Mm -hmm. You know, instead we made like right under three hundred k. Yeah. So like. It's just that little, that little stuff. Like we could have made a million based off like how many offers we made mm -hmm. that quarter, how many got accepted, how many we sold. We would have made a million dollars just with like a it's just few more offers point. a day. And and I think when you go back to like how do you do that? I mean, I think that's that's the hardest thing ever. How do you keep people consistent? I think that's why people are successful and other people aren't because they they master the consistency and the that. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, so Peyton on YouTube, how deep are you trying to get your deals? Deep as the abyss. <laughs> uh, so we start. Do you, do you, do you, do you cater per market or? Every, every, every market's different. Like for example, St. Louis is going to be like 60. We, we don't do the 60, 70, 80%. We have a deal calculator. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure most, like most people do. Uh, and you got to basically know what kind of spreads people are trying to make in those markets. So, for example, in Salt Lake City, Utah, a flipper is trying to make 10%, 10 to 12% of the ARV after it's flipped in profit, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, they're not trying to make that in, in St. Louis, right? They probably want to make, for their for dealing with that, they're probably trying to make more money on, the, right. on flipping. So we, we kind of understand that Midwest, they're not trying to, you know, buy at that you know, they're trying to buy deeper discounts so that, you know, it's not. I mean, you just got to start low. Like if you want deeply discounted properties, you got to start your first offer and you're the range you give them. You got to start it low. Like our guys, our acquisition guys will do this all the time. They like, they think that the seller is only going to accept this amount. So they start where we're going to make like 15 to 20 K. But if you want big deals, like you have to start way lower than that yeah and when you get someone that says yes to that first offer that first like range you give them that's how you're gonna get big deals um josh wants to know uh coming off your biggest month 200k how much you guys spend in marketing for that month uh like right around 30k 30k and then peyton i you guys mentioned you guys uh do offer coaching do you guys have coaches yourselves uh, we all yeah. we will always We've have done a coaches. lot of coaching. The the thing that I like about coaching and helping people out is like I'm not just I practice what I preach. Co coaching is awesome. Like it helps a ton. We've we paid for a ton of coaching. Yeah, we know? spent over a hundred k on coaching. Like either you're gonna we're gonna be in higher level masterminds as we grow go, and you're in collective genius, right? Co Corey Boat, right? I'm gonna try and get in that man. Yeah. I mean, maybe you might not let me in yet, but I'll get in there one day. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like you you want to level up. Because that's, that's, again, that's what I think purpose of life is, is constant progression. We're here yep. to always be learning. So um, to answer his question, yeah, we, we got coaches. I mean, you uh, got to get around people with common goals, right? Absolutely. So, uh, And then Alberto on YouTube, what 
and I think this is a mindset question, right? So, um, what is the incentive to the homeowner to sell to a middleman like a wholesaler versus directly selling to a flipper or listing with an agent? Um, what 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 is the benefit? Mm-hmm. Why would they go with a wholesaler versus a flipper or an agent? Um, well, you know, this is the process. Our my sales process is I I present options, right? So mm-hmm. I'm never like I I, I kind of feel like I the benefit is I'm going to present them the options they have available to, available to them. So I, that is the benefit of working with me. Is like I'm not trying to push wholesaling or like. Um, a certain strategy on anyone. It's like, hey, you know you can list this, you know you can flip this, you know I can, you can sell it to me and it can be done. Which one's best for you? And I can guide you through that way. Or maybe we can get the listing, you know, right. if we prefer it. So I think the benefit is as you become an expert, you can give them that information to help them make the best decision possible. Yeah, and so I think, uh, Alberto, again, I think there's a mindset question or a belief, right? Is that why would they do it? And then the reality is if you're a resource for them, you're helping them out of a bad spot. They want you, they want the person that's gonna help them out of a bad spot. They're not necessarily looking for a specific type of person. Yeah. Uh, They're very nice of Brandon, right? Brandon Simmons, loves the red shirt. Only a master in sales can move from a black shirt to a red shirt, appreciate that. You gotta Um, give me a shirt like that, brother. (laughs) Wow, I gotta talk to the team. Yeah. Uh, So Peyton, do you have a script for acquisitions? Uh, You know, when when you're calling, do you have Something that you use, or Corey, I guess, and in the hats that you guys have worn, who's done more acquisitions? Who's done more dispositions? So I've done more acquisitions. So the the way Corey is teaching our, so we have a virtual assistant, um, uh, for, virtual acquisition virtual guys, acquisition guy that's in Columbia, mm-hmm. the expatriate. So they have specific scripts, right? They, but like for me, because I've done so much sales training, like Franklin Covey, all this stuff, door door, like I, um, I do have a script, but I more look at like. I present them their options and see what's best fit for them. But in order to teach them, that that's that's high level stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, script. As you get better, I think it's you get you gotta like learn more tricks. Yeah. So, what is your general script or or flow or maybe the beginning of your your conversation when you're talking to a, a seller? Because you guys are doing this virtually as well, right? <clears throat> nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, introduction. You know. This is Corey with Offering Homes. Got your info from blah, blah, blah. You know, introduction, then we set the stage about the call, um, like how long it's gonna take, kind of what we're expecting at the end of the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, gather info about the house, gather info about their situation, motivation, um, any expectations they have as far as the sale of their home, timeline, um, condition, asking price. Yeah. And then we take, and then we, you know, we're like, hey, well, let's, we're going to take this underwriting. It's something we want to make an offer on. We're going to go to underwriting um, and put together an offer. And then we call back with a pre-offer, pre-closing call range is what we call it, where we give them. And that's where, like, I say, like, let's start. And this is the job of the underwriter, which I underwrite a lot of stuff. And then I have another guy who does a lot of underwriting. Mm-hmm. We start them off. Um, cause, well, this is recent cause we just switched to kind of virtual acquisitions, um, or I guess VA acquisitions. Um, we just started, so we have them give a, a pretty low first range cause if we want a big deal, like which we want big deals, mm-hmm. we got to give a low range. So we give a pretty low range and we see if they're in that range, in that ballpark. Um, and then we come back and we make, f- put together a final offer and, um, email it to them, get them on the phone and present it to them. Got it. 
and we kind of go with negotiations we kind of use the underwriter to go back and forth um to you know negotiate price yeah this this guy in in, in back corner office yeah that process is is great um but I also think like it depends on the seller, right? Some sellers, if you do that process and you just throw a number, they're not going to make that decision. But so I've I've dealt with a lot of uh, I guess um, opportunities or deals that we've closed where I've gotten on a Zoom call, I've shared my screen, I've I've showed them their options and like what why I'm offering what I am and their net. I I, I go deeper into it, and that helps too. Mm-hmm. So That's I think just a hard process to scale. It is a hard process to scale, but I think like if if one guy in your company, like if you're giving virtual acquisitions like majority of the cold call leads or texting leads but you have like a specialist that can like go in and, and get bigger deals mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be good and which everyone i think they won't even necessarily mean they're bigger deals usually the bigger deals are the easiest deals the well, easiest sellers that's true sometimes it really is uh it's the skinniest deals are the hardest work oh my gosh um nate specializes in skinny deals <laughs> I'm the skinny deal guy <laughs> he squeezes people uh so, because you guys have a background in door knocking and built a door knocking team, yeah, do you guys use that at all in your business? Um, when we first started, we hired um, like a squad of flyer guys because we found out that knocking every individual door is, we thought, a waste of time. So we did we did do the flyering, uh, but you know we just found out that it's not that scalable. It's it's difficult because. Um, you know, to get those guys motivated, make sure they're knocking, you're not out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've never really continued yeah, to try to do it. A door-to-door, like, selling It's solar. hard for someone to, like, go on commission, knock doors, and maybe not get a deal for, like, three months. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, that's a hard sale to, the conversion to too, get people to it, do. The cash long. conversion cycle is too long, right? Right. So, door knocking is, you'd have to pay them. Mm-hmm. And, I and, think. and the reason why door knocking works and in other industries like let's dish sprint like you can sell those things that day mm-hmm. and and get money coming in right yeah so, the cash conversion cycle exactly yeah yeah I mean if I can get a commission next week for something I sold today great but if I talk to you and I book an appointment and it's like a 16 month sale you're gonna be fired well that was our first, our, our second deal was a door knock which we made eighteen thousand on when we were first yeah. started took five months to get done she had to find a place to go we had to get a, the two u-haul trucks and move all her stuff out because she was a hoarder yeah that, that cash conver- conversion cycle is a killer yeah uh, but i think it's a great point though right for people to think about door knocking uh brandon again follow the question what percentage of deals are coming from joint venture versus your own marketing um i'd say like 15 percent like, yeah, it's not 15 like, to 20. Yeah, 15 to 20 right now and ho- you know as I, I grow investors thrive hopefully i can help more people uh, but yeah, it's it's nothing like like it's not like fifty percent or anything. Yeah, and then the the last question we got here from Tim uh, is, what percentage uh, are are you starting? What what percentage are you starting offers at? Because you're saying you know you want to start low, fifty percent or lower. Yeah, fifty or lower, and then obviously that's a little bit adjusted depending on the market. Right. Yeah, like you were in Salt Lake City, Utah. Someone's house worth half a million. You offer them two fifty. Like you're probably not going to get get that done. So you got to be tactical. Yeah. Yeah, we still try to give like a you know a fairly low range where we can make a a decent fee if we get it accepted. But you know, obviously, we're willing to go up higher. So. All right. Uh, And then so uh, follow up questions is what is your guys' biggest struggle today? I think marketing consistent marketing 
Like yeah. we haven't found that channel where we're like, if I put in X, I get Y. So we, yeah, we've just, we've struggled to establish a consistent, dependable marketing strategy. Yeah. And mine is, um, I'm sure you have the same one is like death by a thousand paper cuts. Like as an entrepreneur, you think every, everything seems urgent, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh, you know, let me get to this or, you know, this just popped up. I think like, like putting all that aside and really looking at like, Hey, this can wait. Like someone just like, for example, someone called me and we're chatting like that's, they can wait. Right. Mm -hmm. But for us, like, it's like, well, let me look at this text. Maybe I got this notification knowing what is worth your time and, and time blocking. That's, that's been hard. It is hard. Um, so a challenge for you. Because uh, this is something I've been doing for a few years now. It's game changer for me. Because my phone's not going to disturb 24 7. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, my mom calls me, like, going to voicemail. It's not personal. I'll call her back later. Yeah. Right? Like, when I happen to check my phone, I see, oh, I, have, I got a voicemail. I call back on my own time versus. So, so what do you do? You put everything to voicemail? Everything goes disturb. to voicemail. Except, oh, do not disturb. Do not disturb. Everything goes to voicemail except for my wife and the guy that runs the team. Right? That's it. Two people, everyone else. So goes you, to you have the setting. Um, do you have the, do you have an iPhone? I have an iPhone, so now it's just silent. So when I had the Android, everything was in that disturb. Now I just haven't, like it just doesn't ring. Like I, my phone gotcha. never makes a sound. Yeah, because that that is crazy. Like if I had all the, I do I do um. Th- there's different modes like focus mode, mm-hmm. do not disturb. Yeah. Like you're saying, if that thing was not turned on, I don't know how people function. Like that's crazy. I have no idea. Honestly, I don't, I don't have that issue. Like, not looking at notifications. It just doesn't. Even when they're ringing, you just letting it go. Well, it is on vibrate, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I I don't, I don't have vibrate, and like, I actually got into. Got really upset with my daughter, right? Because she set her notification to be like a ringtone oh, on her iPad. Oh no! And I was like, "What are you doing? Like, you want to have it make a buzz or whatever? Fine, but you cannot have a ringtone <laughs> for your notification." She's like, "Why not?" And I was like, "Just change it now. <laughs> I will lose yeah, my mind." You laid. You put that foot down right there. <laughs> Uh, so starting with Corey, what is your superpower? My superpower. That's a good question. What do you think, Nate? What is Corey's superpower? I mean, I think Corey is, he's been gifted with the ability to not be shook. If that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. this man does not get rocked easily. I can see that. Like if I was to push him right now, like in getting a confrontation, he would probably still be cool you know yeah so that's remaining remaining calm remaining calm i think that's been huge for our business is like we've had highs and we've had lows and i'm like Corey, like i I get i'm getting the reaction like i'm feeling it and he's like we're gonna be all right (laughs) and having that has been been nice i see a lot of similarities here as far as the emotional range yeah yeah Um, that's i think that's a superpower it is absolutely superpower right it's something because if you got a partnership someone's definitely got to be the rock uh, high or low, someone still needs to be the rock. It's the rock, right there. Yeah, the Roy some rock. Uh, what about you? Um, I think my superpowers. I won't say like caring, like I'm like I'm a super caring guy, but I I I, I really want to uh, like I want the best for everybody. You mm-hmm. know, like that, that. I don't know if that's a superpower. That might even be a weakness. But I really like uh, the. I think win- a lot of superpowers are weaknesses. Yeah. Well, that's. I think I'm looking for that win-win. Mm-hmm. I really, I really want to like if, if it's not going to benefit you, like, I don't know if I feel that good about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and last question before we wrap up is, what is the greatest lesson you have learned? Greatest lesson I've learned, um, you know, from being around such high-level people um, like yourself, 
and being in the space, I, 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 the greatest lesson I've learned from everybody is uh, if you surround your people yourself with the right people, you can grow to their, um, you can get there. Mm-hmm. I could, because, you know, I saw your podcast, you know, two years ago and I was like, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. And, and I started surrounding myself with people like you in, in, in this industry and I realized like, these are awesome guys, but they're, they're human. They're, they just are taking the right actions. Right. So that I've learned that if you want to be like somebody, surround yourself with people like that. Yeah. You know, there's, we, we hear about other people we want to reach to and, and uh, uh, you know, catch up to whatever. And we have in their head, like, you know, we got to connect with them. We got to associate with them. In reality, the, the wonders of audiobooks or, or books and podcasts like this is that we can see inside their heads without even getting to know them, you know, right. naturally or not naturally, but like, you know, in, in, in real life connection, right? You can hear how other people think. So like, I love hearing stories about Elon Musk or, you know, adversity these other people have faced because like you, you, you can hear how they overcame challenges as inspirational Yeah. versus like, um, you know, most of the people we went to high school or our school with. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Corey? Uh, the question was the most lesson. important thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. Greatest lesson you learned? Um, I would say don't try to do everything yourself. Like bring in the right people. Like having the right person that you bring like a, a task or a role to is like can save you so much time and effort and pain and heartache and all the bad emotions right yeah like speaking from personal experience yeah, for sure yeah getting the right which, who which experience was the one that really drove that in for you um too many yeah, i don't even know where to start <laughs> i guess like and i still haven't done it with marketing like i'm not a good marketer and i still struggle to market i don't like it and i'm not good at it don't ask me why I chose it for so a you degree. Need to go get a refund from your from your I, university. I guess I just had to choose. How much something, is that? Right? That eight k that eight k degree. It's very inexpensive over there. It's like oh. eighteen hundred a semester. Wow. Yeah. It's that's yeah, so. That's really reasonable. Yeah. It is Coaching very cheap. This space is a, it's a lot more <laughs> than our college we got at college uh, costs. So, all right. Yeah, so that's what I'd say. I want you guys to think about uh, the uh, last message you want to leave the listeners with while I make a couple quick announcements. Guys, if you have value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. It helps us with the algorithms, which helps us reach more people, which helps us create more millionaires, right? So I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you guys here, please hit the like button. Um, and then we do have our sales masterclass next week, disruptors.com slash sales disruptors. And then uh, our media team, through the popular demand, I'm not even affiliated with this or associated with this. Like they're the one that's doing all of it. Um, there, we got a social media starter pack. If you guys are interested in seeing what we do, how they're able to make me look good. Cause I'm not doing this. If you want to learn how they're doing it, we have that as well. And we got Ryan Zolan coming back next week, uh, to update him, uh, update all of us on his journey. A lot has happened in the last year since he's been on the show. So tune in next week to hear about him, agent investor. And, uh, there's a big, big announcement that you guys want to hear next week. Uh, so last thoughts who wants to go first subscribe you better do it (laughs) i'll go so my last thing would be take consistent action like especially if you're new like go out there work hard 
make offers like learn how to make offers you don't get deals nothing happens till you make an offer so go make offers straight to the point yeah like it's like uh, the bill belichick thing and i think that, that might be the personality thing right just do your job that's how it is you know he, he cuts it straight so one more time what was it uh last Message thoughts you want to leave? leave the listeners with um uh, my message would be like that i know this might be cheesy but like you you want me should i look at the camera or right here mm -hmm. you, you can do it like you got what it takes if you put in the consistent action you can make it in this business or anything you want in this life that's that's what i really got to say to you guys anybody can do this i'm no different Corey's no different like we've met a lot of the top producers they're guys and they work hard but you're, you're no different so start your journey today and and we failed a lot i think we've talked about that on this podcast failing is it, it sucks but it's great like we've learned a ton so don't be afraid of failing because that's how you learn. And, you know, I look at all the failures I have and I'm, it's all good. So get take action. Failed your way here. Failed my way here. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how, how would they do that? Um, I have uh, my YouTube channel, uh, Investor Thriver. If you just type in Nathan Payne, you can reach me through that. Facebook, I have the Wholesaling Real Estate Mastermind Facebook group. You can hit me on Facebook. Poppy Payne is my Instagram. I know that's a lot, but uh, yeah. just hit me up on any of the social media channels. I'll hit you up. Corey? Same. Just Corey Royce. I'm on Instagram. Corey Royce. I'm on Facebook. You, know, you can get to me through the Investor Thrive stuff, too. So Awesome. Perfect. I'll shake your hands later. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you guys for watching. See you all next week. Been an honor. See you guys. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.